Welcome. I'm Sebastian Mafud, and you're listening to WCAT Radio, the on-air wing of En Route Books and Media, bringing you the dulcet sounds of Catholic wisdom. Hello, and welcome back to the show. Today we are going to play the game, How to Argue with an Atheist Online. At first I was going to call this Objection So Bad Only an Online Atheist Could Make Them, so I'll leave that up to the producer. Anyway, a little bit of background. So today I got into a what I was hoping would be cordial discussion online, but quickly devolved into a series of actually somewhat kind of funny insults. Um, <laughs> and maybe we'll, we'll share a few of those. I, folks, I, I will admit to you, I do not exhibit the greatest patience with people who are unwilling to civilly engage in honest philosophical inquiry argument, investigation, etc. As, as soon as somebody starts getting nasty, as soon as, soon as someone starts to demonstrate that sort of new atheist snobbery, um, I, just, I just have no more patience for that person. So the thing is, they, what they don't realize is that I'm not only going to um, defeat them on arguments, I'm also going to outwit them. I'm going to um, defeat them on arguments, I'm also going to outwit them. I'm just always going to be funnier. I just, I just have that. I've, I've always been a funny person. I've always been a witty person. So I'm, I'm happy to engage in, in ad hominins that that's the game that they want to play. But I always make sure that I, I put in some significant argumentation as well, some important argumentation. Now, of course, people will say, well, well, Pat, you know, like, what's the point of that? You know, why, why be polemic when you don't have to be? Let me tell you why I, th- I think this is important. And, and here's something where I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong on this point. But let me explain to you why I do it this way. These people, and when I say these people, I mean these militant new atheist types are some of the nastiest people you will ever come across, especially online. Don't believe me. Just wait until I read through some of these comments, right? They engage in the most adolescent behavior of, of, of brandishing insults on, on virtually anybody, brandishing insults on, on virtually anybody, uh, refusing to engage in argumentation, constantly distracting away and just being as snide and condescending as possible towards people who hold virtually any religious belief. And the problem is is that people see this behavior, they see this false arrogance, this false sense of confidence and and they're actually like taken in by it. They think it's it's funny and they're like, "Oh yeah, I want to be like that person. I want to be able to turn my nose up at people." So then they become like that person. So it's unfortunate but I, I think that this this has to kind of be battled in a fight fire with fire perspective. I, you, if somebody's going to act like this and they're not going to actually engage in good argumentation, then I'm going to be polemic as well. I, and, and look, chances are I'm just going to be a whole lot funnier and have way better insults than you anyway. So we can argue and I'll win that way or we can just – and I'll win that way, or we can just see who gets the most laughs, and we can win that way. And I think we had a good exchange of both here. And and the But the more fundamental reason is this. Somebody in that position is not going to change their mind. They're just at least not in this conversation. They're definitely not. They are so emotionally locked in on their atheism. No matter what you present them with, they're always going to double down. They're not an honest seeker. They're not an agnostic really trying to figure things out. These people have a come hell or high water commitment to their philosophical, their absurd philosophical worldview. But here's the important part. 
other people watching, and this was on a, on a thread of somebody who's very popular, other people watching are not like that. So they can be and often are persuaded or or tilted one way or the other, depending on how these exchanges go. So if somebody comes in and starts spewing all this vitriol and starts mocking religious belief, caricaturing it, um, insulting it, you know, I just feel a sort of moral obligation to get in there and offer a defense and put this person in their place as the nitwit that they are. And I'll run it through confession. I I will, but this is just something that I, I feel again, maybe I'm wrong on it. Maybe there's a better way to go about this. But, you know, then my inbox is filled after I do this of people saying, you know what, good on you, Pat. You, your arguments were 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 way better. This guy you smacked him around. Uh, thank you for doing that. And I'll have people thank me for doing that because they'll tell me that I was able to express what they weren't able to say. So I'm able to get up there and give a voice to people and deepen their confidence in the right view, which is the theistic view, while undermining the sort of petulant shrills of these of these new atheist types. So that's the background. That's why I do this. Again, I'm willing to argue about being right on a number of things. I'm not sure if I'm right on this approach, but I at least give you my reasoning behind it. And and maybe so. Anyways, the article that this uh, person shared was about Michio Kaku, who's a physicist. Apparently, he has um, made some statements saying that he, I guess, formally believes in God, whereas before maybe he was agnostic. I'm not entirely sure, but essentially, he said something like, "Looking at the rich mathematical structure of the world, I just have to conclude that there's a mind behind it. Like that God is a mathematician." I think was his word. So of course, this just you know sets the sets the atheists absolutely. Uh, they're totally aghast. They cannot believe that somebody would look at all this, t- all of what appears to be very exquisitely designed, and then conclude that there's a designer. Go figure. But anyway, the article itself is not entirely important. I don't. Uh, I'm not f- totally familiar with this guy's work. I'm not really a physicist. I'm interested in the philosophical interpretation. So I chimed in, and you know, I said, and I'll kind of condense my my um, my paragraphs here because I, I often did I mean we, we really got into it on this thread uh, really got into it on this thread uh, but I chimed in I said I'm glad to see that Kaku has finally come around to the God question because he's defended free will in the past though I would contend that's not something a physicist can answer that's a philosophical question and it really depends on whether you think atheism or theism is true right so when we look at the laws of physics right they describe what would happen given a closed system but they don't they don't show that the system is actually closed, and that's the mistake that people make. The question is, is it a closed system? So if it's not a closed system, if theism is true, then there's, then there's really no um, scientific argument, if you will, against free will. Now, many people will make scientific arguments for free will looking at quantum mechanics, but I think that's a confusion. This isn't a scientific argument. It's a philosophical argument. Is it a closed system? Or is it not? And that is, of course, the question. If, if God exists, if there is a supernatural realm, if there is some type of immaterial aspect um, about human consciousness, the soul, reason, etc., human consciousness, the soul, reason, etc., then there's then then yeah, free will is is absolutely uh, not only plausible, but what seems to be true that we are capable of agent causation probably is true. Philosophical question, however, not one based in physics. 
So I said um, – I continue. I said you know, coming from somebody who considered himself an atheist for many years but converted to Catholicism, I've come to believe that the only sound position a person can hold is a theistic one. We live in a, in a web of contingent things, of all these things that exist but don't have to exist and that cry out for an explanation. So there must be something in principle that, that is the explanation not only for everything that exists but also for itself, a sole necessary reality. This is the only way that we can really get an explanation for anything at all. It's the only way that we can avoid an infinite regress. And this is something like uh, arguments presented by Aristotle for his unmoved mover, Aquinas' third way, that's his argument from contingency, Lonergan's argument from intelligibility. It's been presented in many forms, and it's a serious argument. It's, it's one that, I, that, that not only um, was convincing to me that I think is successful, um, but it's, it's – if you're going to present – an argument to people who are skeptics. I think this is a, is a good one. It often takes a bit of explaining. It often takes a bit of developing, um, but it's a powerful argument. So I kind of gave a, a brief rundown about that um, you know, and concluded that either explanations run all the way through, that they must halt in some type of sole necessary reality that would be immaterial, timeless, extremely powerful, personal, etc. So either God exists or the universe is nonsense because if we don't have an explanation for everything of why there is something rather than nothing, then we really just don't have explanations at all, right? If we try to just rest on a brute fact, which atheists will try to do, it just is, right? What we're really saying is that there just are pushes us beyond the universe, pushes us beyond brute facts and forces us to come to God as a necessary reality. So I gave a, a brief overview of that argument, which nobody engaged with, by the way. Nobody even touched that. Um, and then I, you know, then, you know, I added in a few extra remarks, as Pat Flynn typically does. I say people assert that there's no evidence of a designer. This is rubbish, and they know it, just as I knew it when I was an atheist and would say the same thing, which is true. It's funny to see a lot of the quips that people make that I really used to make, and deep down, I just I just knew that they weren't true. I really did. You know, I, I tricked myself. It wasn't that I was being intentionally dishonest. I was just – I was really deceiving myself. Um, so I say the fact that we exist at all and exist in a world that is sensible and intelligible, that is susceptible to mathematical analysis, a world where we experience a realm of objective moral norms, values, and duties, a world that appears to be exquisitely fine-tuned for the emergence of intelligent life, a world where intentional states of intelligent life, a world where intentional states of consciousness exist and are irreducible to the physical processes they're associated with, a world that does not explain itself but begs to something beyond itself for an explanation, a world where we all experience a basic belief, however good we can get at denying it, that things are purposeful and designed, on atheism, all that would be extremely surprising, if not outright impossible. On theism, however, and particularly Christian theism, none of that is surprising. It, it just makes sense. It's exactly what we would expect. So that was my kind of uh, just opening remarks, and I wanted to, um, you know, kind of... Uh, uh, you know, st I guess I wanted to stir the pot a little bit, but I like when people – here's the thing. When people post something in defense of God, I like to hop in there right away and lend some support. I don't like to just hop in after that person's already being mobbed by the village atheists, right? I like to get in there and, and, and buffer it a little bit. Um, so, you know, somebody, you know, come – 
So, you know, somebody, you know, comes in almost immediately and says, it just makes sense, designer, another argument from, from ignorance fallacy. So this is how you know this guy is not a philosopher, because he doesn't understand what the arg- <laughs> argument from ignorance <laughs> fallacy actually is. These are arguments from from reason. They're deductive arguments where if you think the, the premises are more plausibly true than not, then the conclusion necessarily follows. For example, if God does not exist, then objective moral values and duties do not exist. But objective moral values and duties do exist, therefore God exists. There's there's nothing about the ignorant that, – that argument is perfectly logically valid, right? We have double negation in there, so on. Like there's nothing invalid about the form of the argument. What you would have to do is show that one of those premises uh, is false or, or less plausibly true than not. So he's immediately confused on what he's, what he's talking about. So I – course, I said, well, that's just an assertion, right? That's not an argument. I just gave a whole list of reasons to support our basic intuitions toward design or design. And then, of course, I say that design itself is quite surprising. The fact that we have this intuition of design, I mean, is quite surprising um, if atheism were true. And while I'm not a huge proponent of arguments from intuition, they do lend support when making the cumulative case for theism. So then I asked him, I said, if you want to engage with any of my specific points, either the argument from contingency, consciousness, morality, then by all means, I'm happy to have that debate. But you're just going to have to do more than restate (laughs) the question that I've already supplied an answer to. And then he just comes back and says, you're just committing the argument for ignorance again, which I already explained to him why I I actually – I wasn't doing that. And then he says, maybe Einstein was right. The idea of God is based out of human weakness. Now, I address this point later, and I'll, I'll read my full comment because I think it's something of a, of a masterwork. But here he's committing what's called the genetic fallacy, right, or the Freudian fallacy, where he thinks that if you can explain how a person uh, came to hold a belief from a psychological explain how they came to hold a belief, that that therefore shows that the belief is false. And, of course, these matters are wholly independent. A person may hold a belief for any number of reasons, but how they came to hold a belief is completely independent of whether or not that belief is true. I might think that democracy is the best form of government because I learned that uh, in, uh, in public school, for example. That might be true. But does that show that democracy isn't the best form of government? Of course not. You, you, have, to, you have to argue that point separately from how it came to originate. So what we're going to find as we move through here is that these, these new atheists are very good at teaching us logical fallacies. They're just – they're like a museum of them. So right there he's committing – he's accusing me of a fallacy that I'm not committing. Why himself committing a literal textbook logical fallacy? Uh, then, then it gets better because he says what you've said is just a fancier version of the ontological argument debunked many times over and over. So this is a common tactic where somebody will, will say, well, this has been, been, been debunked. They'll never do the debunking themselves, by the way. They'll never been debunked. They'll never do the debunking themselves, by the way. They'll never make the argument themselves. They'll just claim that it's debunked. And this is where you've got to press them and, and, and say, like, look, man, you're making a lot of assertions, but I'm, I'm not seeing an argument here. So if you, again, if you want to engage, do it. But there's even a more fundamental confusion than that. I never presented the ontological argument. I presented the cosmological argument, the contingency argument. So I corrected him on that, and I said – I may have used the word nitwit um, and said that this is typical of new atheist snob mentality, that rather than engage in serious debate, you just brandish insults like a prepubescent. So then I explained that the ontological argument is an a priori argument, whereas the argument from contingency is a posteriori. They're just – they're, they're completely different categories, let alone not the same argument. Like he couldn't have gotten this more wrong. And I say philosophy 101, the ontological argument attempts to prove that if God is even possible in 
principle or in concept, then God exists necessarily. And I say it's a serious argument, though. And I say it's a serious argument, though it's not an argument I've offered today. But it's serious enough that it's still hotly debated among professional philosophers, essentially since it was sort of reinvigorated uh, in modal logic by Alvin Plantinga. So to just assert that it's been debunked is to demonstrate a severe lack of understanding of both the historical and contemporary status of ontological arguments in general. But then I say either way it's irrelevant since I didn't propose the ontological argument to begin with. He's just confused. So then I say the contingency argument, on the other hand, looks at certain basic and I would argue undeniable facts about the world in which we live and reasons deductively back or really downward to a sole necessary existing reality, all of which we would know as God. So it runs off the same principle of sufficient reason which all of science presupposes. At this, and then I just mentioned at this point, it's quite clear that that neither of them even have. There was two of these people in this, two, two of these new atheist types. So when I say neither of them have even the remotest understanding, and honest, there's no sense in arguing, <laughs> arguing with a brick. Uh, and then some other people hop in, and then he accuses me of verbal diarrhea, which you know is always uh, productive. Um, so ra- again. Th- Typical, very typical in these types of arguments. Rather than engaging, they'll do a bunch of hand waving. Okay, so so rather than rather than interacting with literally anything I said, even just one of my arguments, just verbal diarrhea. That's it. And you know you can decide what you want to do at that point if you want to press them a little bit further. But anybody looking at this right now, again, honestly, with an open mind, maybe they haven't made their way up one way or another. There's no way they're going to look at this this new atheist guy and think that that he's at all got the upper hand. And this is after he's already on the thread just insulting people left and right. So it was quite satisfying to me, I must say, that um, you know now that he's dealing with somebody who knows what they're talking about, he's very quickly backing down. He's, he's very qu- quickly trying to distract away. Uh, he's very qu- quickly trying to distract away. Um, so then he says, how convenient for, for people to pick and choose a religion. Pick this version of God. It must be real. I've converted to Catholicism. Checkmate atheist. That's a total red herring. That has absolutely nothing to do with any of the arguments that I've said. So a nice – another good demonstration of a, of a logical fallacy. I wasn't arguing for Catholicism. I was arguing for a general monotheism. Uh, I can make the argument for Catholicism. I'd be happy to do that. But that wasn't the argument that I was making. Um, somebody else tries to, tries to come in and, and, and then, you know, he gets, he gets insulted as well. And then my, my next, uh, thread is a little bit more in depth because I felt like I wanted to deliver a more solid rebuke of the atheistic position. Um, so I, so I mentioned to another guy who came in that he probably isn't going to make much progress with these new atheist fellows. Um, you know, and of course they already lobbed out um, the the sort of even if the universe was eternal, because I didn't present a first cause argument in the sense of like the Kalam argument at like the beginning of the universe. The contingency argument is different. So at this point, I'm trying to clear that up. So I say, even if the universe was eternal, as Aristotle thought it was and Aquinas assumed it was for the sake of argument, you would still need an explanation for why any eternal universe exists at all, rather than nothing. The argument from contingency is not an argument from the beginning of the universe, but the existence of the universe here and now, wholly irrespective of whether or not the universe is past eternal. Uh, That said, the majority of physicists are against Sean Carroll. He previously quoted Sean Carroll as arguing it's the beginning of the universe, which again is irrelevant to the argument I made, but I'm just saying that the majority of physicists are still against his position and to believe the universe did begin some finite time ago, which if accepted is just another argument for theism, but not the one that I was making. 
In fact, it's an argument that many philosophers advance, known as the Kalam cosmological argument. But certainly theism does not rest on the universe having, on the universe having a beginning, or the Kalam argument. Uh, it only strengthens the case if one believes the universe is not past eternal, which, by the way, just is the scientific consensus. So I was clearing up a confusion that he had, uh, arguing with another guy, thinking that what I was talking about was the Kalam cosmological argument when what I'm advancing is the contingency argument. They're very different arguments. And it goes to show that, again, this is, this is how little people like him actually engage with the theistic viewpoint. He just doesn't even understand the arguments at all on the most basic level. So he's going to have no chance of seriously engaging with any of them if he just keeps getting them mixed up. So I'm trying to actually help him clear up his picture so maybe he can engage with them. It's really a, it's really a very disappointing experience, but kind of funny. Um, so I continue. One last point. What people don't realize is that while on the surface level, atheism may seem to provide concord with reason, there is in fact deep and massive conflict between the two. Because if atheism is true, that is metaphysical natural, physical naturalism, then human reason goes down the drain, along with objective morality, meaning, and so on. On atheism, determinism must be the case, which means a person didn't arrive at their atheism through reasoning at all. Rather, they arrived at atheism in much the same way a branch sprouts from a tree. It just happened because that was the only way it was ever going to happen. They really had no say in the matter. Only matter had any say in the matter. So now I'm trying to push a little bit and show that, that if you follow atheism through it, it really is absurd. It, it, it refutes itself. Um, so I say atheists really need to learn to be better atheists, which, by the way, I think I was. I feel like when I was an atheist, I was a good atheist because I understood atheism. I read the good atheists, especially the old atheists, Russell, Camus, Nietzsche, and so on. So I said that this guy would do well to read somebody like an Alex Rosenberg, uh, who's a professional atheistic philosopher, not some pseudo-philosopher that you'll find on YouTube of some 16-year-old kid who just read halfway through his first Richard Dawkins book. And Rosenberg, and Rosenberg draws, draws, all, draws all the right conclusions given the premise of atheism. He says no free will, no human reason, no meaning in sentences, no morality, no intentional states of consciousness, no enduring selves, no selves to begin with. This is just the result of metaphysical naturalism. If you think that only physical things exist, then you can't make sense or the possibility of any of these things. You just have to deny that they even exist. Um, so Rosenberg should be admired for his consistency, even though we all know, yes, even the atheist, you know it too, that he's wrong. So I, I simply asked, is anybody here convinced that God's existence is so implausible that it should have us deny our own existence? Because that's really what atheism in, entails. So you have to figure, what's, more, what's a more reasonable position to hold? Is it more reasonable to think that God exists and that I really can think about things and understand meaning and, and that some things really are right and wrong and that uh, I, I do endure over time? And that I actually do exist, like, does that seem more reasonable? Or does the whatever arguments are against God, which none, by the way, have been presented in this thread, or are those so overwhelmingly powerful uh, that they should have me deny the most basic, immediate uh, experiences of my everyday life, which really cannot be coherently denied. The most basic, immediate experience of anything is that I exist. Cogit you know, I think, therefore, I am. I mean, you just can't coherently deny it. As soon as you say that that's an illusion, like people like Rosenberg will do, it only begs the question of who's having the illusion. Um, so then I point out, just look at the quality of the discussion. Look at, you know, there's clearly here somebody who's trying to actually provide arguments. There's somebody who's just, just mocking and and lobbying insults, so you know people can make up their own mind. Um, then he talks about the 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 fallacy of 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 uh, the argument from ignorance again. He just he just cannot. 
he just cannot engage at all. Like he just doesn't – he just – it really is trying to argue sense into a brick. So people come in and they, they tell me to uh, to you know just ignore these nasty people. Um, so I, I re-chime in at this point. And 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 try and say to to people who are who are engaging in this thread that are that are very friendly, very open, um, that I agree one hundred percent that I'm not going to change the mind of the people I'm arguing with. Um, people who are this emotionally set on atheism aren't going anywhere. Not not at least in this conversation. No matter how well the arguments against your position are presented, and that's because they're not atheists for intellectual e- reasons. They're atheists for other reasons. Daddy problems. Who knows? So there, I'm trying to poke fun at the idea that if you think you can you can if you can use the Freudian analysis, right, to debunk religion, well, it works both ways, friends, right? If you're going to say that, uh, you know, we're only relig- religious because we're comforted by belief, well, you're only an atheist because maybe you, maybe you had some, some father issues, issues with authority at home. Anybody can sit in the psychoanalyst chair and, and speculate, so that's never going to work. Um, so I say it's important for other people to see how hollow and vacuous their assertions are, lest they be taken in by their feigned sense of confidence. Too many new atheist types get away with bully rhetoric with zero underlying intellectual support, and I'm just not willing to let them yammer on without being challenged on their quivering, quivering and petulant shrills. For example, Giovanni will say I haven't prov- – that was the guy's name I was arguing with, by the way. Giovanni will say I haven't provided evidence. The truth is – it isn't that I'm not providing evidence. It's only that he's not willing to look at the evidence I'm providing. <laughs> and then I continue. I will argue, as I have argued, that God is the best explanation for, example, why anything exists over nothing, why intentional states of consciousness exist and are not fully explained by or reducible to physical consciousness, etc., etc. I kind of relist a number of my arguments there. And then Giovanni will then, in a state of hurried confusion, search around the internet until he finds some YouTube video, quote-unquote, debunking any one of these arguments, not realizing how sophomoric and confused these presentations are, because he himself is so sophomoric and confused, so how would he ever know? What he will never do, however, is attempt to provide the argument or rebuttal himself. So I'm calling him out on just on just trying to link out to some 16-year-old YouTuber. Like, dude, if you want to if you want to argue, then try and make the argument yourself. Because before he linked to some YouTuber debunking the Kalam argument, which again was never an argument I even made. So he's having somebody else, not even himself, assail a straw man. Assail, it's 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 not even a position I presented. Now I didn't even watch the video because I'm sure it's absolutely terrible. Uh, I do think the Kalam argument is is successful, and it's but you got to study. It like in the Blackwell Companion of Natural Theology. You got to study on the level of professional philosophers to really understand it. Some 16-year-old, you know, uber skeptic on YouTube. They're just not going. to – I guarantee they're just not going to have anything interesting or important to say about this argument. They probably won't even understand what it's about. But this is the stuff he's linking to. But it wasn't even wasn't even an argument I made to begin with, and I specifically said this is not the argument I'm making. And then I, I press him. I say he's literally ignored every single one of the arguments up to the – both for theism and against atheism. So it's up to the onlooker to decide who, who what position they think is, is more reasonable or plausible. And then uh, and then he just says, well, Pat Flynn has just found Jesus and Catholicism. You know, I too can use really bad arguments. Again, nothing of my argument rested on my personal relationship with Jesus Christ or my conversion to Catholicism. I can argue and have argued many times for, for the resurrection, for the truth of Catholicism, and so on. has nothing to do at all with this, um, not, even, not even remotely close. Um, so my last comment I thought was interesting because I really wanted to push it a little bit. So I'll kind of uh, 
I, I, what I did is I went through the thread and I grabbed a lot of his responses to other people and just wanted to sort of systematically refute them. So let me read through this and explain it as I go. And then what we'll do is I'll, I'll look through the thread again. It's been a while. And we'll just look at some other things that he may have said. And we'll get – I'm positive of this. We'll get a good demonstration of some – some logical fallacies and, and, and give you some resources of how to refute these arguments because this guy is really – he's really a tool, not like a tool as in like an insult. I guess he's that kind of a tool too. He's a tool for learning good philosophy by studying bad philosophy is what I mean. So I say to that atheist, uh, Giovanni, I'll address your points one by one. A courtesy I am still waiting to see returned. One, um, there's no such thing as a fa- – so he called me a failed atheist, by the way. That was another one of his arguments. He just called me a failed atheist. So I say there's no such thing as a failed atheist, only the failure of atheism. I was an atheist because of how I entered philosophy. I became a theist because I got better at it. Two, put aside the ad hominem attacks a moment. Put aside my accusing you of already arguing like an adolescent, true. Acting like a child in a temper, also true. Of being petulant and shrill, absolutely true. And adopting atheism from a purely emotional standpoint, probably true. All of which I support. Yet I freely admit none of my arguments for God rest on your being an imbecile. The, ma- the matters are wholly independent. All you being an imbecile demonstrates is that God does not distribute intelligence evenly among his creation. So I... Had to get that that little jab in there, and I guess people found that humorous. Point three, but what about my actual arguments, both for theism and against atheism? I refer the reader to my original post on this thread to compare my presentation with Giovanni's response because these are deductive arguments. That is, whereby if one believes that these supremacies are more plausibly true than not, the conclusion follows necessarily and inescapably. That's just the nature of a deductive argument. For example, if God does not exist and objective moral values do not exist, but objective moral values and and duties do exist, therefore God exists. So I say, which of these premises do you deny and why? And let us hear your arguments, not link out to some 16-year-old YouTuber. Um, These are not arguments from ignorance, as I'm repeating, but arguments from reason. All that aside, considering that I've been conversing with a guy who didn't know the difference between an a priori and a posteriori argument, I'm not all that inclined to take any accusations of me falling into fallacy seriously from him. Number four, the quip about daddy problems was to expose the fallacy that he made in claiming that God is the result of a psychological human weakness. The point being if we want to play Freud, then both the theist and atheist can assume the position of psychoanalysts and prattle off any number of speculative reasons as to why a person believes what they do, but that is just the genetic fallacy. Explaining how a person came to hold a belief says nothing about whether that belief is true. He didn't seem to catch that, and I hate when I have to explain my own rebuttals. It's like teaching a person to debate while debating. It's super lame, but unfortunately it had to happen. Uh, also, he, he lobbed out the, uh, the, old, the old chestnut uh, objection of who designed the designer. So I say this is perhaps the most preschool objection of all for two reasons. One, the principle of sufficient reason requires there be an explanation for anything that exists either in an external cause or a necessity of its own being. So he just doesn't understand the principles of the principle of sufficient reason. He's probably never even heard of it. It's an inescapable deduction without ruining reason, reason itself then that all explanations must rest ultimately in some uncaused necessary reality. This is the only way to avoid a vicious regress and get any sort of explanation for anything at all. This, of course, is what has led so many of the world's greatest thinkers from Aristotle to Aquinas, Leibniz to Lonergan to the god of the philosopher, if you want to call it. 
all that. It's what logic entails. It's not a fallacy of it. Now, you can argue whether such a necessary reality is coherent, and that's an argument I'm ready to have. But what you can ask is what designed the designer, since you are essentially asking what caused an uncaused being. It's a senseless objection aimed at a caricature and one that betrays a fundamental, fundamental misunderstanding of what and who God is. But even more basic than that is this. You don't need an explanation for the explanation to have a good explanation. So, for example, the air is cold in, in my room right now is a sensible explanation. But only a belligerent new atheist would protest by saying, that's not an explanation because you haven't told us who designed the air conditioner. It's so dumb. It's so dumb. They don't under – like – and I, I call them out. I say, you want to talk about fallacies, friend. Your, your responses here are just a museum of them. So then I, then I end with this, and then I didn't get any more responses after this, so, so surprise, surprise. I say, but why don't we leave with this? You seem very enthusiastic about your atheism, Giovanni, and claim to be willing to change my mind. So how would you feel about having a public debate with me on this, and how about we do so as early as today or tomorrow even? I'm sure we could get a moderator from this thread who would be happy to play the role, somebody agnostic or even an atheist. I don't care. We could host this on my Facebook page or yours. Perhaps the guy who made this thread would be willing to host us if we asked nicely enough. I'm open to anything. Then we can simply let the audience decide and save ourselves a great deal of time going back and forth on this guy's Facebook thread. What do you say? I've got the afternoon wide open. Uh, no response, and I'm positive I'm not going to get a response wide open. Uh, no response, and I'm positive I'm not going to get a response. And the funny thing is, is he went and responded to so many people after me, so he clearly saw my response and my challenge. And like, what what can you say at that point? Like, I'm willing to go to the mat, my friend, on any of these. And and you're going to sit here, you're going to be so petty and insulting. At least be man enough to to engage in a, in a public debate. Like, if you're so sure of your ideas, if you're going to be that arrogant and condescending, then be a man. And that's, yeah, that's a funny thing. People will say that, oh, theism and belief in God is a, is a sign of weakness. It's just comforting. Look who the coward is, man. Like, it just, it, just it, it drives me nuts. Like when, when the rubber hits the road, when it gets right down to it, I'm – dude, like let's, let's go. Let's turn on – I would have had him on this podcast if you wanted to. Called him out straight up, and I would have been civil if, and kept it civil and just wanted to present the arguments um, maybe got a few quips in here or there if things seems so heated. But like, 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 I don't know how I could have, could have, could have ended it either way. So no response to me ignores me after that. But then we'll go on attacking other people who are not philosophers. And I will admit sometimes make very bad arguments for the existence of God or whatever. So you know, so much of philosophy is not only knowing, you know, how to respond to arguments, but also knowing not what, what arguments not to make. There's a lot of bad arguments for God's existence and, and Christianity. And, there's a lot of bad ones. So part of being a successful philosopher and debater is just knowing what arguments are no good and stop making those arguments. So that's just a little apologetic tip. Um, but let's go through here and, and say um, – Let's just go through here and just look at some other comments. There's not too many more. I, I addressed most of them. A few more came in afterwards. Um, somebody says that uh, somebody's their, their response to uh, to to Theus were to go back to the cave, you groveling scum. So that's that's obvious, obviously um, very high minded. 
Um, somebody said uh, pantheism or, or panentheism, what most scientists refer to when they refer to a god, is really the blueprint for rational atheism. That's just absolutely completely false. Pantheism is the idea that the god, the god just is the universe, right? Um, that, that the universe is divine. But that's incoherent, especially if you think that the argument from, for contingency is successful because it, it goes to show that there's nothing about the universe that explains why the universe exists. That's, that's the crux of the argument, right? There's nothing about the laws of the universe, the laws of nature. They're not like the laws of mathematics or the laws of logic that we, we really can't imagine being differently. There's nothing about the laws of nature that are, that are necessary any more than, than beavers or, 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 or platypi are necessary. The laws of nature could have been otherwise. Um, the fundamental stuff, you know, quarks or strings or whatever you think it is, it could have been otherwise. There's nothing necessary about it. It's contingent explanation, and that explanation must be transcendent. It must be beyond the universe. It must be non-contingent. So when you understand what a necessary reality would have to be to be a necessary reality, you understand that it that it, that it it deductively leads you, this argument deductively leads you to a being that is immaterial, timeless, spaceless, extremely powerful, personal. There's really only two things that could possibly fit uh, the conclusion of the argument from contingency. Either an abstract object, like the number seven, or an immaterial mind, right? Now, the problem is with an abstract object is causally inert. It can't cause anything. It's also dubious whether abstract objects like the number seven exist independent of minds to begin with. So you're really le left with the only option left on the table is an immaterial mind. So we actually eliminate pantheism just like we eliminate monotheism by good philosophy, by solid works of, of natural theology. So solid works of, of natural theology. So uh, yeah, the god of Spinoza is not an advancement. It's a degradation. It's a, it's a, it's a de-evolution in terms of, of philosophical thought, and it's certainly not atheistic, right? If you believe that the universe is divine, you still believe in in in, in a deity. You just think that the universe is it. Now, I think you're wrong, but you're not an atheist. Um, let's see here if we have we have another one. Okay, yeah, here's a classic. Here's a classic one. This will be a fun one to end on. Well, which which god is it, right? Well, is it Zeus or is it Thor? Um, how do you know that it's that it's your god of, of the Christianity? You know, I'm the atheist. I only believe in one less god than you. This this is this is a bad argument. How bad is it? About as bad as it can get because it it just assumes that because there's a plurality of answers to a difficult question that there just is no answer, right? So rather than one answer possi possibly being right, uh, we should assume that no answer is right. And this is just this is just stupid. This is nonsense. If you had 100 people and people get it wrong, one person gets right, you, you certainly wouldn't you wouldn't think that there's no right answer. No, you'd, you'd want to be able to understand the problem and figure out what the right answer is. Well, same thing with religion, right? Same thing with religion. Just because there's been, been different answers doesn't mean that there isn't a right answer. You're just being intellectually lazy. You're just not taking the time to think this through and decide if there is a right answer. Now, I will gladly admit that something like a religious pluralism is on the market of options. And a religious pluralism would say something like this. God exists... He's transcendent, but he's ultimately unknowable. And all religions are uh, approximations to it, but they but they all get it wrong, right? So you might as well just pick whatever one works for you or makes you feel good. So that's not atheism. That's still a religious position, but it just says that you know it, it, all religions are false, but also true in a sense. 
Now, I believe that that's wrong for a couple of reasons. The primary reason is the evidence surrounding the life, death, and resurrection. First, evidence surrounding the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you think that God exists, first off, if you have the, the strong philosophical reasons through natural theology that give you the existence of God, that give you, by the way, that give you a moral monotheism. So, so through philosophy alone, first off, you greatly narrow down the list of options. You look at arguments. Uh, from look at all Aquinas's five ways arguments, for example, and contemporary versions of that. Look at Aristotle's unmoved mover argument. Look at the argument of contingency. Look at the argument from intelligibility, uh, an unrestricted act of intelligibility from Lonergan. What these arguments from natural, for, or, or even look at the Kalam cosmological argument. Also look at the the fine tuning argument. These arguments give you a specific philosophical worldview. They give you a – and the moral argument also. They give you a moral monotheism. They give you a transcendent God, a God that is responsible for but distinct from his – is responsible for but distinct from his creation. So it automatically rules out pantheism, polytheism, and and, and most – Eastern types of religions, right? So we've already really narrowed down the window of, of possibly true religions just through deep armchair thinking alone. This is a good, good example where it takes only like 30 seconds to utter an extreme falsehood, but like 30 minutes to thoroughly refute it. And that's what this, well, what God is it objection is. It's just a really stupid saying um, that is really stupid, but takes some time to understand why it's stupid. But unfortunately, it's very quick to say. People ch- typically chuckle at it and, so it, and so it's a great sound bite. But it's a terrible objection. So philosophy narrows it down. And then if you think that the, that the evidence for the resurrection of Christ, if you do believe that there's good evidence that God specifically revealed himself to a certain people and in a certain person at a, at a particular time, and, and if, you, if you believe that this can be investigated historically, and then you do investigate this historically and you can be dead, well, that's, that's, the, that's the divine seal of approval, right? That's, what's, that's what shows that Christianity is true. Now, I didn't just make that argument, but, I, but I, I showed you how you can get to a very specific God reasonably and rationally. If you want to actually hear me make that argument, I've got a ton of episodes on that. But specifically, check out my one episode, The Difference of Jesus and the Difference He Makes, where I go through both the historical evidence and a philosophical argument for why and, and theological argument for why the resurrection uh, makes sense, and it's it's really difficult to avoid it. Um, so yeah, that's how you decide what God it is. You just you first you work through uh, deep armchair thinking. You you get good at philosophy. You realize that 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 theism is true, and that something like a moral monotheism specifically is true. And then you can begin to survey the world religions that match up to that. Christianity being the the primary one, where you can just historically investigate. You can just historically investigate the resurrection because it all hinges on that right either god really did raise christ from the dead which is a vindication of the things that christ taught which is god just signing off saying yeah this is true this is my religion this is how i want you to have a relationship with me this is how i want you to know me if that actually happened then then you have your god it's the god of christianity it's a triune god if christianity is true right then it's just a short hop from catholicism then all you got to figure out is well did christ form the catholic church or some other church or no church or what separate argument. But it's not like these things can't be can't be thought through. It's not like you can't reasonably and rationally arrive at a very specific religion. You can. You you can. I did. And I, I make that argument all the time. This guy is just he's just he's just uneducated. He just doesn't know what he's talking about. So you hear these just these these 
these annoying cliches that just will not and do not go away. But anyway, I wanted to share that with you because but anyway, I wanted to share that with you because hopefully this will help to strengthen your position, your faith, see how to respond to these these typical Ah, these these typical ploys of new atheist types who, who who really don't want to or have no interest in actually engaging. So knowing where to press, knowing what arguments to make, knowing how to detect and discern fallacies in, in the arguments that they present can be really useful. And then I guess the last thing I would finish off with is, you know, you don't have to do it the same way that I did. You don't have to be polemic like me. I know I'm, I'm very, I very easily get carried away, and sometimes I do look back and, and, and often think, you know what, I probably could have handled that with a bit more tact. I probably could have been a little bit nicer. I probably, In fact, I'm even thinking that right now. I probably could have and should have been a bit nicer to these people. Um, but at the same time, I, I, I think we have something of an obligation to go out and speak the truth. To go out and speak the truth, even if even if you don't feel like you you have all the arguments on the ready, to go out and defend the truth. Um, you know, be be willing to tell it like it is. Be willing to engage. Like it doesn't. Like these people don't. You know, they don't really bother me. Uh, you know, people are like well, people ask me how do you how do you deal with it? They're like, isn't this stressful arguing with people all the time? No, I actually like arguing. I, I you know took like the personality assessment. I came out as the debater, like the same as Mark Twain. That's just that's just in my nature. I I really enjoy it. But mostly, I just want to show people that that theism is so more rational than atheism. Uh, atheism is absurd, uh, and this is coming from somebody who knows atheism well, who who studied it, who lived it for many years. I can speak intelligently on it. I know it. I know it really. I know it way better than this than this guy. Clearly, he's he has no idea. He's just anyway. I'm going to leave it at that. Hey, if you like this episode, if you if you want to hear more about my online adventures, um, <laughs> just. Um, just let me know. Drop me an email, Pat Flynn at Chronicles of Strength. Or if there's any arguments that you would like to hear me address, either present or offer an objection to, or, or maybe you don't know how to respond to a certain objection or argument yourself, let me know. Pat Flynn at Chronicles of Strength.com, and maybe we'll do an episode on it. Other than that, please do subscribe to the show. Please do rank on iTunes. All of that is very helpful. So if you think we're doing some good work here, if you think this is important stuff, please support the show. Share it with your friends. This would, I'm sure, would be a very helpful episode to share with. We hope you enjoyed the program and will join us back for another show on WCAT Radio. This is Sebastian Mafud. Good day.